That's just flat good right there, friend. My Lord, have mercy. Some of you sat there like you were dead. So, Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up or I'm going to kill you. No, don't say that part. I'm glad to be in church. It's good. I love church. I love church. Some people sit with their watches. Well, we only want an hour and five minutes. Why? I mean, count up the times how many breaths God gave you last week. When you say to God, I come to church, I only want an hour and five minutes of you. If I were God, I'm glad I'm not. So, Fourth of July is a special day. It's special in a lot of ways. I'm going to share some of those ways for you, not just for the Declaration of Independence. Well, there are three American presidents that they died on July 4th. You knew that, I know already. John Adams, you got it right, Thomas Jefferson. And there's another one. His name was James Monroe. See, there's a little secret unless you study carefully. Well, James Monroe, he died on July 4th. Well, he almost died on July 2nd, and he told the doctors, keep me alive two more days. I want to die on July 4th. And they did. And he died on July 4th. What a request. What made it so special? There are others. Calvin Coolidge, he was born on uh, July 4th, 1872. West Point opened July 4th, 1802. Stephen Foster, he was born July 4th. The song America, we sang for the first time, July 4th, 1832. Alaska and Hawaii both came in on July 4th. Slavery was abolished in the state of New York, July 4th, 1845. And the document that we know as the Declaration of Independence delivered July 4th, 1776. It stated that we believe that all people have rights given by the Creator of mankind. The document has 1,321 words. It takes about eight minutes to read it. And God has mentioned four times, two at the beginning and twice at the end. You see, the declaration was to separate us officially from the repression and the authority of England. We'll talk about that in a moment. The very act of signing, get this now, the very act of signing the declaration said to the world out there, as it was known then, I am a traitor to my native country of England. Try that on for size. I mean, what is it that you're willing to say, I'm going to be a traitor and make a public announcement, but I'm a traitor to my native country, England. I am a criminal, a fugitive from London's justice. John Adams stepped to the plate, and this is what he said. The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles, get this now, of Christianity. We find that Adams also said in the observance of the 4th of July, it ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to Almighty God. So they believed as to what they did and what they were able to accomplish, fighting back the powers of darkness and, and an oppressive hand of government, overtaxation, no authority, everything belonged to the government. They believed we are willing to die for this. We are willing to step to the plate. They had no idea you and I would exist or even the country would survive, but they were willing to die for a purpose. What are you willing to die for today? 
What big thing are you willing to say, I'll give my life to Jesus? (laughs) We don't have any idea what that means sometimes compared to those who were willing to sacrifice it all and even more as we continue to go. The first three universities in our country, you know who they were. You got it right. Harvard, Princeton, and the other university was Yale. Do you know they all started to be Christian schools in order to train ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ to constantly declare, hey, this thing that we call America, the Declaration of Independence, is founded on a relationship with Almighty God. And over a decade ago, a political science professor at the University of Houston said, I wonder who our forefathers quoted the most. So he examined 3,154 documents, and he said, all right, let me see. Most of the quotes in the early part of our country, there were three major individuals that used quotes, Blackstone, Montague, and John Locke. But those three, 16 times more, 16 times more than those three, the Bible is quoted. And that's what America is really about Proverbs, the great writer there, Proverbs 14, 34 says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a what? Disgrace to any people. So we have the common text of our message today is found in Deuteronomy. I'll read other parts of it a little later on in the message, but here we go, the comprehensive part. Observe the commands of the Lord your God. Who's speaking here? Moses talking, of course, to the people of God who have been delivered out of bondage. They have a new leash on life. They have a new opportunity. And this man of God steps forward, totally anointed by God to speak to God's people as the voice of God. Don't forget the commandments of your Lord. Walk in his ways, revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land Let me describe it. It is a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fixed trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. Bread will not be scarce. This is to a group of people who's received a little bit of manna every single day. It's not, I want a whole plate load of it. I got just enough for my family. Now here we find, hey, you're going to have a place where bread is not scarce. You can have all of it you want. You will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper right out of the hills. And when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. And then in almost a whisper, he says, but be careful that you do not forget the Lord, your God, failing to observe his commands and his laws and his decrees that I'm giving to you this day. Don't you dare. He said, if you do, A clarion statement to all of us. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, and when you build your fine house and your homes and you settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become, your heart will become, your heart might become, your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt And may I remind you, out of a land of slavery. 
So boy, I feel the oppressiveness of the Holy Spirit that says, is it possible that though that was written several thousand years ago, that it is relevant to me as a citizen of the United States of America today? Is it possible even as a Christian in a wonderful, beautiful church that I, I emulate some of the accusations presented here in the Scripture that maybe I've taken my blessings and my favor for granted? Is it possible that I can no longer be satisfied because I have more, more, and more? And is it possible today that the Holy Spirit might speak to my heart and waken me up a little bit and say, remember, acknowledge on Tuesday, that's this Tuesday, the United States will celebrate that moment in our history with the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And as we look back on that particular event, we realize that it was a very dangerous decision by every individual who signed it. Each man dared to sign it. John Adams, when he signed, this is what he said. He said, whether we live or die, whether we sink or swim, whether we succeed or fail, I stand behind this Declaration of Independence, and if God wills, I am ready to die in order that this country might experience freedom. So when we think about a celebration, and we think, oh, it's July 4th, I get time off, I'm going to take the boat and say, I can't afford a boat, go get you an inner tube. I got my inner tube. I'm going to the river, I'm going to the lake. And when you see the flag and you take a look and you say, oh, this is all about me, no friend, yard talk here, it ain't about you. It's about people who were willing to say, let me gift you with an act of freedom. Let me share with you what we paid in order to sign this declaration. Let me tell you what it means when you see old glory waving out there and we take it for granted walking by more than possibly a hundred flags on this campus today. What does that mean to you? And here's what our forefathers say on one day out of the year, be sure that it's not about you, but it's about the celebration of the liberty and the joy that you enjoy. Victory Church tonight says we're going to give it our best shot. We're going to flag up. We're going to have patriotic music. We're going to honor those who have served in the military. We're going to say God sing, God bless America. We're going to do it all. We're going to take our hot dogs up early off the grill, throw them aside and get ourselves ready. And we're going to come in here and say glory be to God. And we're celebrating God bless America in a way, hallelujah, that brings pleasure to God. Go ahead and put your hands together and clap a little bit. It's no wonder. It's no wonder. Every time I go overseas and I go to a foreign land, I'm reminded once again how much it means when I walk through that check-in one more time and say, thank God I'm a citizen of the United States of America. When I come from another country and land in the airports in Tampa, in Miami, or wherever else, and I say, United States citizen, I say, thank God I'm running to that line, amen, because I don't deserve it, but thank God I've got my passport and I know who I am. I am an American citizen. That costs somebody. You can sit there silent if you want to, friend. I'm going to give you my best shot this morning. Somebody say amen. amen. And then I'm going to go to lunch. <laughs> I want you to understand the message God has laid upon my heart, whether we live or die. Are you willing to die for something that you don't even know that's going to work? But we do that 
every day here at Victory. We invest in lives. We spend money. We give time. We give sacrificial efforts to Circle J. We give it to Curacao. We give it to missionaries, etc. We don't know what results, but you know what? Our results are so simple. Here it is, to know Christ and make him known, and we're going after just one more soul. Just one more. Because that one more might turn out to be a king or a president. That one more might be an evangelist or a preacher. That one more may be a great missionary. So we give it everything we've got, nothing held back, and say we are going after the goal. Somebody say amen. amen. So here we go. It's that patriotism which led men with little more than a hunting rifle. And a hunting rifle then was not a hunting rifle now. Everybody understand? The hunting rifle then you had to feed. Hunting rifle now you just put the bullet in and let it rip and rip it does. And those individuals that we call patriots, those early forefathers, those early settlers went up against, as far as they knew, the most powerful nation in the world. It was their homeland. It was England. And England could not stand the embarrassment. The decision to declare their independence from England was not a decision that they made lightly. Even though, even though they lived in the colonies and they were English citizens, they felt like, hey, we're English citizens. and we, we may not be living in England. We're over here in this country now, but we deserve the same rights as an English citizen, they thought. Their ancestors a number of years ago had risen up to come against the dictatorial rule. You know his name of King John. King John, of course, was forced to sign the Magna Carta and the Great Charter established the rights for the common man. But that period ended because no one carried the message forward and, and a new king is in now. John is gone. King George is there. Why? He has power. He has position. He has things that he did not earn. It just came because of position that he wound up in and he thought, wow, I'm the boss here. I'm the ruler. I am the high king. And I have the authority to say, here's what you're going to do. You're going to work 12 hours a day. And if 12 hours a day, you're going to make $100 a day, I'm going to get $90 of it. And I'm going to give you $10 because I'm the king. And if you don't like it, too bad. And he began to put more taxes in place. He took away more and more rights of the citizen to the point their lives were miserable. Their children would wake up and say, if that's what I have to grow up, why grow up? Why be a man? Why be a woman? What I know I'm going to live under that kind of oppression. That was the driving force of the core value of those that said, we do not want our children to live under this oppression. And so they began to have public protest. And the public protest was met with violence and hatred from the king and his army. It was intolerable. And things got out of hand and it got worse and worse. One day while they were yelling about the taxation, and to an individual who was a tax collector, he took his pistol out. He, he had a pistol, but he couldn't shoot the crazy thing. And he killed an 11-year-old boy. Well, when that happened, a squad of soldiers trying to break up the crowd of protesters fired away five protesters, innocent people who had no weapon, nothing but a voice, and nothing but a body. And five of them were killed. As that took place, it spread quickly until the Boston Massacre became a reality. I've been to Boston numerous times, and 14 months before the Declaration of Independence was written, an armed conflict broke out. It's called the Battle of Lexington, Concord, between the colonial Minutemen and the British Regular Army. 
366 people were killed that day. The colonial militia laid siege on Boston, Boston, which led for two months of battle, the Battle of Bunker Hill. The colonial militia lost 400 men. America, America. They didn't even know the song. God bless America. Land that I love Stand beside her And guide her They didn't even know the song But they said to you and me in the future July 2nd, 2017 don't forget the gift that we gave to you. Don't let us down. Every military vet says don't let us down. Every slain soldier, male and female, says don't let us down. You have a gift. And that gift did not come from might and power. That gift came from the Son of the living God. His name is Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. The colonial mission, militia, 400 men in that battle. And then we find out that Patrick Henry, that fiery patriot from Virginia, gave his famous speech. He now is ready to move forward. He is incensed with victory there before the Virginia Provincial Convention. And this is his speech. Three million people, he says, armed in a holy cause of liberty. And in such a country that as we possess are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destiny of nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battle for us. The battle, sir, is not the strong alone. It is the vigilant, the active, and the brave. Besides, sir, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat. But in submission and slavery, our chains are forged. Their clanging may be heard on the plains of Boston. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun. Our brethren are ready already in the field. Why stand we here idle? I know what course others may take. Let's read it together, everybody. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Do you feel the incense? Do you feel the palpitation of his heart? Do you feel the rise of the blood pressure? Do you see the widening of the cornea? Do you understand what this man is saying to our audience today? Oh, we can decide to not make it matter. We can decide the priority of importance. We can decide to say, okay, I enjoyed it. I'm moved by God bless America. I see the flag. But remember, 
it cost. There's something else that he encourages us to remember in the early individuals. They declared their dependence upon God. That's who we are. You see, we weren't the first nation to do that. Another crucial moment in history. The people of Israel, they're preparing to enter into their promised land. They paid it the hard way. God delivered them out of Egypt and Egypt. And then Moses said to them, because they couldn't, they couldn't get it right. It only should have taken a matter of days to get through the wilderness there to that promised land, but they didn't, they didn't grasp it. And here's what Moses said. Hey guys, let me tell you something. When you're you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good of the land He's given you, and be careful that you don't forget the Lord. Your God failing to observe His command, His laws, and His decrees that I'm giving to you this day. Don't let that happen. Our founding forefathers were careful to remember God. The second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, they knew who it was that gave them the favor. Here's what they say. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then back in the end, the latter part of the declaration, he says, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, that's God, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. In other words, we're prepared to give it everything we have. Somebody has to sacrifice. If you have military, family members in the military, let them know that you appreciate them. And don't let a lot of time go by before you tell them and tell them and tell them. If you know where a veteran's at and there's one in this building and throughout the campus today, let them know we appreciate you. Somebody had to pay. But if you're a good old fat and sassy citizen in the USA... Let God know you're grateful. And our nation says once a year, just once a year, we're able to do that. We remember the clear declaration of their dependence on God in a world of turmoil today. The world you live in, the climate in which we live now, the carnal nature of mankind says we don't think God had anything to do much with the declaration of independence. We don't think there needs to be a deep acknowledgement of Jehovah God. We don't think that the flag is really that important, so we'll step on it and, and we'll burn it because we have that right. It's not matter that we ought to have prayer and we don't need Bibles in the classrooms and we don't need that and we need to be certain that churches are squandered and oppressed to where you cannot as a citizen anymore stand at a local football game in any places throughout America and say the Lord's Prayer or even in a graduation speak even if you are the valedictorian mention God in that speech that's where we are God says be careful because when you get to that place would God do that? read the Old Testament But the New Testament is a testament of God's grace. And God puts up with a whole lot of stuff. So ask yourself this question. How long is God going to put up with our nation? Better yet, how long is God going to put up with you? 
You see, human nature has the ability to take advantage. Human nature has the ability to says, give me more. But here's what we can do. Victor Church is celebrating America. As a church, we're telling every other church in the community, we're telling every person by the thousands that drive by this building on this day, hey, if you're looking for a church that's unashamed to talk about Jesus Christ, if you're looking for a church that'll preach a clear gospel of Jesus Christ and not fudging on any of it, if you're looking for a church that's proud to be an American, if you're looking for a church that'll stand up in your face and say there's only one God, his name is Jehovah God, and we don't back away from that, if you're looking for a church who still believes in the Ten Commandments, we're that church. If you're looking for a church that knows how to celebrate the Declaration of Independence, it's Victory Church, and we are going to do that tonight. Tonight. As we do it now, here we go. Deuteronomy 8 starts in verse 7. After you see Israel, of course, got the solemn warning. Although it was some 3,400 years ago, that warning comes to us today. We read it early, but we're going to remind ourselves of it. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Say good land. That's America. A land with streams and pools of water. Why is that important? They were in the desert. There were no lands of streams and water, a land where bread is not scarce and you're going to lack nothing. Wow. Verse 10, and when you have eaten and you're satisfied, praise the Lord your God. How many intend to eat at least one hamburger over the next couple days? How many intend to eat at least one hot dog over the next couple days? Come on, get them up. How many of you plan to fast over the next couple days? Looking for one godly man, one godly woman who says, I'll give it all up for you, Jesus. Nobody including me. Mmm, those barbecue ribs. Mmm, I've already got them marinating. Hallelujah. God is in it. You see, he says, after you've had all that and you've eaten and you're satisfied, what are you supposed to do? Notice. <laughs> when you have eaten and are satisfied, Go get you a long nap. <laughs> Go exercise. Go get dessert. Strawberry shortcake with whipped cream and extra syrup on it. Hand-cut strawberries. No. When you have eaten and are satisfied from the bounty of God, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given to you. I tell you what, you can't sit there still. You just cannot do it. You cannot do it. That's who God really is. And then it's more to verse 11. He goes on, beware lest when you eat and you're satisfied, you build your house and you settle down and you're multiplied that your heart becomes proud and you forget. Don't you forget. Number two, watch out that you don't forget God. The testimony of history made it abundantly uh, clear that not only nations, but individuals can forget God. You see, God knew about carnal nature. That's why in the Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, he tells us, Jesus said, when you have communion, do this in remembrance of me because I know your nature. It won't be long you forget. Somebody slaps you in the face, cuts you, hurts you, slains you. 
you may not ever forget that. But if somebody gives you a gift or something, often we forget. He said, do this in remembrance of me, lest you think you are the one that deserved the redemption. I paid for it. So be sure you do it often to remember who gave it to you. That's why children are supposed to honor their parents. Somebody say amen. amen. Thank you, baby. <laughs> he makes it clear. The great nation is not measured by military power. Our grandson, Grant, you're going to hear it a lot, it's in the military. I used to think God give us great military artillery and power and all that, but not until my grandson went in and I'm saying, hey, God, I want real bullets. Amen. I want real armament on that tank. I want real grenades that fly themselves. Amen. Not by military might. Not by, not by money. Not by money. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And what's happening in the United States today, the modern objectives, is success and status and security self-indulgence it's easy to overlook church when you're doing well and you got the money to go it's easy to overlook bible study when you say well i'm just so busy it's easy to overlook somebody else who might be in need and you're living your high life that means your bills are paid and you might have a little bit extra and you're planning to have a vacation but there are a whole lot of single moms and single dads in this church right now the word vacation is so far off from them they never even think about because they know it would take a miracle for it to happen and one thing in their house breaks down and it just as well be a tornado that takes the roof off because there's nothing in the bank account to be able to manage it. They live on that edge. But you and I have privileges to be responsible for our brother and our sister. Amen. Two amens. Amen. 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 I wasn't going to charge $1,000 for each amen. It's $1,000 for the lack of an amen. Oh, boy, I know what shakes the cage now. Here we go. Titus 3.3. 3. At one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and entangled by all kinds of passions and pleasures. How many of you like passion? It's all right. I'm not going to get you on this one. <laughs> I know. How many, of you, how many of you like passion? How many of you think you're passionate? Gee, help us. How many of you lost your passion somewhere? Go find it. How many of you like pleasure? I want to say it again. In the balcony, how many of you like pleasure? Nothing wrong with pleasure. Isn't that right? Nothing wrong with pleasure. You raise your hand. You got pleasure. Pleasure's good. Isn't that wonderful? Passion and pleasure. Well, if you're a real child of God, you shouldn't have any passion. Shush. You big old baby. I'm just a woman. You got any, you got any pleasure? Say, I ought to have pleasure. Pleasure? Sure. You know what pleasure is? Getting in the shower and the water 
actually comes on and it's hot. That's pleasure. Amen? That's pleasure. Going to the refrigerator and there's actually food in there. And if you got teenagers, you mom and dad better get there first because there may not be anything in there. Let me tell you what pleasure is. Pleasure is a great big old slab of barbecue ribs that's been marinated with barbecue sauce on it. My Lord, have mercy with baked beans and coleslaw and fruit salad and dessert. That's pleasure. He said, but be careful that that passion and that pleasure does not come at God's expense. And don't celebrate too high unless you're willing to give accolade and honor to those who paid for it. You see, the bottom line is people are enslaved with their sin. If you go to the average wino on the street today and say, give me your bottle, I, I want you to know you're, you're addicted to that drink. You know what he's going to tell you? I'm not addicted to, I'm addicted to this drink. I can, hold, I can hold my liquor. That's what they say. You know what the prodigal son? prodigal son lived in his father's household, had a good job, had money, had his own just uh, his own toys and everything else, and said, I'm tired of living under my father's rule, my father's house. I need to go where I can be free. And he took off and said, I want my money. I want my card. I want my, I want my American Express card. I want my debit card. I want all that, Dad. I want every bit of it. I'm leaving here. I'm tired of this. And he got out there. When he ran out of money, he ran out of friends. Amen? <laughs> you want to find out how close your friends are? Ask them to pay for lunch sometime. And then he wound up in the hog pen. I don't know about you, but I have been in a hog pen. It's not any fun. He's there and he looks up and thinks, wow, is this freedom? I think I want to go back to where freedom was. That's my daddy's house. And sometimes, friend, we wander out there think we're going to find something better and we're looking for freedom and we're looking for something better. You know what Jesus has said? You got everything you need if you keep me the priority of your life. There ain't nothing out there that's going to make you any better, make you any freer. If you just come back to me and stay in my covering under my household, I promise you, you're going to have everything that you need. Here's the third thing. Our real freedom comes in Christ comes in Christ. So when we stand back and look at this land of the free, we begin to wonder, is there any real freedom anywhere? But we can say, oh yes, there is. We counsel with people all the time who have everything they need. But when they run into a buzzsaw, they can't throw money at it. They can't throw skill set at it. They can't throw brain power at it. They can't throw history at it. And the only thing that will help is Jesus. Be the Lord of all. Jesus, be the Lord of all. Jesus, be the Lord of all. The kingdoms of my heart. And he... who paid for that redemption comes down and picks you up. 
and said, I've been here all along. Amen. Amen. The nation that we have was not purchased out of a fight, though thank God we were. It was not purchased out of money. Titus 2 says, for the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled up like godly lives in this present age. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager, eager, eager to do what's good. So we have John Adams. We have Patrick Henry. We have all those who signed the Declaration. Who say to us today, don't forget me. Don't forget when we signed, we had no idea. Don't forget we didn't even know of a place called Alaska and Hawaii. We didn't understand that. We didn't know anything about the U.S. Virgin Islands. Here's what we did know. We didn't like the oppression. We didn't like the taxes. We didn't like the bondage. And we knew that there was only one way out. It was to fight our way out, following Jehovah, who gifted us with the privilege to be able to enjoy our freedom and our liberty. And Jesus says, and don't forget me, because at the end of the day, even the greatest American citizen is still bound by one thing. It's called sin, and it's called death. And when you've run your race as far as you can go and you get to the end of the line, there's only one hand that can come down and redeem you. It's not a perfect hand. It's got a nail print in it. But it has the power to redeem you. Amen. Take the hand. So when we enjoy this weekend, Tuesday that goes, and when we sing, for example, tonight, the writers of the song, God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Everybody now, God bless America. My home, sweet home. Would you stand? I don't know how old I was before I finally realized that that line to the oceans, white with foam, was white with foam. <laughs> I sang it for years, white with fog. In my mind's eye, I thought that's a good match. Oceans ought to have fog. But the real words, when it dawned on me, white with foam, I thought, wow, that's interesting too. But had I written the song, it would have said, fog. <laughs> you love Jesus? Yes, you ready to celebrate 
our Declaration of Independence as a nation. Amen. Amen. Come on now. Do a little better this time. You ready to celebrate the redemption that only comes in Jesus? Amen. 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 More families here, their father, John, Big Daddy Moore. <laughs> he got saved on Easter Sunday. You've heard me talk about him many times. He'd been in the church and some way or another drifted away, and I mean way away, and was not living right, not doing right, not, I mean, not only not doing right, he's doing wrong, and he knew it. He was a fighter. If you said something to him he didn't like, you were going to deal with you right then and there. You weren't going to say, I'm sorry. No, he's going to jack slap you right there. That was John. But on Easter Sunday when he got saved, I'd gone to the house. You heard this story, but for those of you who haven't heard it, here it is. Listen to it. Those of you who have heard it, suck it up. Knocked on the door. He wouldn't come to the door. I was told by his wife, go see him, go see him. Knocked on the door, knocked on the door. He wouldn't come, but I knew he was in there. And my humble nature would not let me leave. Because I know you in that house. And I'm going to camp out right here like it was a blue light sale at Best Buy. And finally he came. Hey, preacher. He's kind of loud. Hey, preacher. How you doing? I'm Wayne Blackburn. Yeah, I know who you are. You got a big old hand. What about coming to church? I plan to go. I plan to go. I said, well, let me ask you, if the Holy Spirit moves, how many of you still believe, we ought to believe that when we come to church, the Holy Spirit moves, amen? I said, if the Holy, if the, if the Holy Spirit moves on you, John, will you pay attention. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will. I mean, how many times has he told the Holy Spirit no before, you know? Yeah, I will. You know, all right, preacher, it's done. Thank God you're leaving. Hallelujah. Everybody stand. Choir begins to sing. Someone is praying for you. Someone is praying for you. <laughs> He's shaking. I said, Holy Spirit, shake him good. In that moment, that man, that fast, fell back into the arms of Jesus Christ. And when he fell back in the arms of Jesus Christ, he didn't play. I'm saved, and if I'm saved, you're going to be saved. That's the way he was. And so tomorrow, I preach his coronation service. And I'm saying, God, I'm thankful that I stayed at that door at that house and kept knocking because I know he's in there. Friend, with your family members that are lost, keep knocking. Yeah. They need God's touch. Yeah. 
He's real. Let's bow our heads. Maybe you're here this morning and you're lost. Maybe here and you've been waffling and playing games. Maybe you're here and you've been bargaining with God. Oh, you've never said, God, I want to bargain. You're just not living straight. You know it and I know it. And you push it off to, okay, well, you know. Let me, you know what God says? I want everything you got. I don't want you to bargain with me. I want it all. I deserve it all. Because I've given you eternal life. Maybe you're bound by some habit, something you cannot shake. He can take it from you. He can do it. Maybe you just lost. And maybe you've been running and you're stubborn and you're hard-headed. And maybe you've compromised. That's an easy game to play. Nobody gets hurt in compromise. Huh. Maybe you just need help. So I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer after me right now. Would you do that, dear Jesus? Jesus, Forgive me. me. I've been stubborn. I've been been rebellious. I've been been obstinate. I have made mistakes. But this morning, morning, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I I repent of my sins. And I believe by grace, I I am now forgiven. I thank you, Jesus, for my country and the blessings that I enjoy. I thank you for my family, for your love, your goodness, and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. We have altar workers that are here. If you have family members that are lost, now be a time to move. If you have a need in your body, you say, I'm not well. James 5, 14. You've done it your way. That's why you're still sick. Why don't you come and do it God's way? What does he say? Come on down. Anoint them with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. Oh, you still do that here? Yeah, it's not out of the Bible yet. Still there. We still believe it. And how many of you have ever been healed by the grace of God? Raise your hand and testify. There you go. So you come as we sing, and I'll give the benediction in just a moment. Stay with me now. Don't you run out on me. You stay with me until the end, all right? Here we go.